Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, the golf tour continues here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's Wednesday of Players Championship Week, and we are actually at the place the Players Championship started, at least in this area. It started back in Atlanta, was kind of a revolving tournament. Uh, in Texas and even in South Florida for the first few years. Then it ended up right here at Sawgrass Country Club for the first handful of years until moving across the street to TPC Sawgrass and now the home of the Players' Championship over there on the stadium course. And this is a beautiful venue as well. Sawgrass Country Club just redid their clubhouse and uh, 27 holes and some of the best golf you'll get here in Northeast Florida and the state of Florida is right here at Sawgrass Country Club. Why are we out here? Well, uh, this is where it started, but also Michelle and Paul Tesori putting on a kids' all-star clinic. They do such a fantastic job with this year in, year out. I always say, hey, we're going to get over there and do the show, and then something happens and we don't, we end up at the players. So I say, you know what, we're coming across the street uh, this year. Bubba Watson will be here. Webb Simpson will be here. Brittany Lincecum will be here. And Paul Tesori caddies for Webb Simpson. Of course, they won the Players' Championship in 2018. So we'll talk some golf for sure along the way, but we'll talk heavy football as well. Trent Balky, Jaguars general manager. Uh, talk to the media today. Not as revealing as Urban Meyer was yesterday. Brent Martineau here on location. Our Players' Championship Week coverage on the road. Brought to you by Talent Wealth Management. Action Sports Jack Studios. Filled with Austin Lane here on a Wednesday. And Justin Kuzart. We call him Kuz as well. Austin, your final show. Get ready for the fight. Saturday. You, you, you're ready to go. The taper going well. The diet good. You're in a good mental place. Give us an update. Saturday's the big night. Yeah, Saturday's the big night. Um, everything's going on schedule, you know, because right now it's kind of like a dress rehearsal, right? So it's more of just the mental game than it is the physical game, but that's all going fantastic. Uh, thankfully, I don't have to cut any weight because usually right now guys would be cutting 10 to 15 pounds, which is always a bummer and i've seen that firsthand uh kind of like the hell they put their bodies through so i'm not going through that at all so just a nice casual thursday coming up and then a friday and then the fights on saturday so i can't wait man you have had a couple of fights where the weigh-in was interesting, to say the least. Whether yeah, your opponent didn't yeah. make weight. Is <laughs> sure. this going to be an issue on Saturday, do you believe? Not that I expect. Um, I have fought this guy before, and I think the last time he weighed in, he was 254 pounds. So unless the quarantine weights got to him, uh, there shouldn't be an issue. I think I had a Facebook memory come up today or yesterday about your fight two years ago against your opponent. This yeah. is a rematch, first time you've had a rematch in the cage. Yes. And it was like exactly two years ago tomorrow. It was yeah. March 11th, 2019, during Players Week, that you had that fight. So uh, here we go. Uh, rematch uh, in Orlando this time during Players Week. It will be on Saturday. Uh, normal time, do you think? Is it a big card? Do you think you'll you'll get after it about uh, 10 so, o'clock or so? Yeah, so it, it is going to be a big card. It is pro and amateur. Um, I think I want to say there's like 14 or 15 fights as of now. Obviously, the that can change with weigh-ins and um, injuries and things like that. So, expectedly, I'll probably be fighting around 9 or 10 o'clock for sure. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, do you sleep in that day? Oh, you better believe it. Man. I mean, I, I, it's like, I don't really sleep in that much just because, you know, obviously when you have a kid that gets to get ready for school and I've been doing the morning show, I've been kind of, uh, you know, I've been kind of programmed now to get up around 6 o'clock. So I'm not going to sleep in that much because it'll kind of break my schedule up, but I'll probably sleep in about 7, 8 o'clock or so. 
When you have a fight, everybody always asks, can we see it somewhere? Do you know if this will be streamed? Yeah, so this is going to be streamed. If you check out the Combat Night website, um, that information is going to be there. And I also think this one is going to be streamed on Fight TV. Um, so if you go like to the Fight TV website, uh, you can purchase the pay-per-view there as well. Great. So Another fight. trial subscription I'll sign up to and, and still pay for just, two years later, $9.99 just get, a hey, month. Just go ahead and write it off on your taxes. <laughs> it is what it is. It's for the show. It's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, Cody and Ronan, they going over? What's the deal? No, so actually... Uh, my so Ronan's on uh, he's on spring break right now so he's off the whole week so my mom's in town watching him and I think Cody because you know she has got schooling and everything so they're actually going to stream the pay per view from my house so okay. they're, they're going to be in Jacksonville well fine I'll go over there yeah so, hey by all means man do what you got to do <laughs> uh, maybe I'll go I'm trying to think where is it in Orlando um it's it, it's like at the it's at like a resort. It's at the Caribbean Royal Resort in Orlando. Um, okay. And actually, it's pretty cool. So, like, we're staying in the hotel, obviously, the Caribbean Resort, but the fight is going to be there as well. So wow. it's all under one roof, which is pretty convenient in terms of travel uh, and all that stuff. So, yeah. I could probably sell Steph and the kids on that. Ty's got a game in Gainesville earlier in the day. I there mean, you go. I, not that Gainesville's, like, right next to Orlando, but yeah. we, could, we could do it. We'll already be on the road. So. Sure, sure. Or do you know if they're allowing fans in? Um, I know they are. I'm not sure if tickets are already sold out because obviously it's going to be minimum capacity, I believe, with COVID and especially yeah. at the resort. Um, that I, I couldn't tell you wholeheartedly. If you go online, you could probably check that out, but I'm not sure as of right now. We did the Google check yesterday, man. I'm Brent Martineau. Do you think I care if tickets are sold out? <laughs> Hey, you just get one of those media credentials, you're good to go. Or just say you're going to be my Iceman. You know my favorite thing? I love this part. Like, you know, we've been co-hosting this show for over two years now, and I just, like, interviewed you before the fight. Sure, you're sure. not co-host. You're turned, like, into my interview subject. Oh, no, it's all good, man. Fight. No, it's all good. Anything <laughs> anything where you can get your MMA chops up a little bit, you know, we interview MMA fighters, it's all good, man. I'm glad to help out. Uh, all right. <laughs> it is uh, Players' Championship Week. You guys have some homework to do. I probably didn't tell you in time, but uh, you got to pick a winner and a sleeper for the Players' Championship. Who do we think will win the golf tournament? Uh, that is on the agenda today. Kuz, I want you to play along, so just throw a dart or something, man, and uh, we'll see what happens. It might be a, just as uh, good of a selection. Trent Balky, he talks today to the media, day after Urban Meyer talked to the media, I would say a whole lot less revealing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, the just the perception, we have no idea exactly what's happening inside, but the perception is, and has been, and I like this, is that Urban Meyer is the, the uh, center figure in the Jags organization right now, even even more so than Shotcon. You know, Shotcon obviously owns the team, and he's a big figure, mm -hmm. and I think he's part of it, says he wants to be a part of it. But I think the central figure, and, you know, in uh, in Shotcon's words, it was a coach-centric organization, is what he wants to make it into. And that is certainly the case with Urban Meyer. And what does that do to Trent Bulky's role? It's very interesting from a perception standpoint. Uh, I, I think it's carried away and uh, disrespectful to say, well, he's a puppet in the building. I don't believe that. I think he's a, he's someone to tap into for knowledge. I think he's someone to discuss for uh, decision-making and help kind of Urban Meyer along the way. Because remember, he did this before with Harbaugh in San Francisco, a guy that was going from college or, or going in, getting into the NFL game from college uh, at Stanford, it was, and even San Diego, San Diego or San Diego State, San Diego, I think it was for Harbaugh. Mm. So he's kind of that helping hand 
Um, and so I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful and minimize bulky, but at the same time, we have to remember it's a coach-centric organization now. That's what Shad Khan has built. And if you look at the last two days, you really get that feel. A lot of the answers, the concrete answers, came from Urban Meyer. A little bit more what we'd expect out of a GM head coach, maybe, today from Trent Baalke, where eh, I really can't say too much. We're on the verge of, <laughs> of signing some of these guys. And by the way, I'm okay with that. I understand that. I get that. That's part of the business. You don't want to tip your hand. But uh, there was certainly that feel today, Austin, where Baalke was less revealing about what the Jags have intended. And I think part of that is what we talk about a lot, what we talked about yesterday. It's the messaging. And the mm-hmm. messaging is going to come from Urban Meyer, not from anybody else in the building. So this is what happens when you hire the head coach before the GM. Now, granted, Bulky was already there, so, I mean, you're kind of hiring in-house, but, you know, obviously they hired Urban Meyer first, and then they announced the GM later. And in doing that, you set a precedent of where, okay, it's going to be the head coach running things, uh, establishing the culture, and then it's the GM's job to negotiate the contracts um, and kind of help find that talent a little bit. This is kind of where the NFL is going a little bit now, it seems like. I think Matt Rule is a classic example in Carolina where, you know, when they got him in there, obviously they gave him a lot of freedom. They gave him that big deal contract um, that the old GM was out and now that there's a new one in. But it seems like it's the Matt Rule show, if you will, and how they establish the culture and everything like that. Urban Meyer's the same thing. And I think you heard with some of those answers today. I mean, for instance, uh, Balky kind of, you know, re- relayed the information of he hasn't seen Trevor Lawrence in person throw. I mean, at the pro day, uh, the, the offensive coaching staff went because only three coaches could go. As far as the Zoom interviews with Trevor Lawrence has gone, Balky has not interviewed Trevor Lawrence yet on the Zoom conversations. So you get this sense that it's a lot more football centric right now than it is like you know just meeting and saying i'm the gm and things like that now i think bulky eventually will talk to trevor lawrence do his due diligence and all that stuff but you just get the feeling right now this is culture 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 and when you talk about the culture it starts with the head coach and urban meyer yeah i think you're right and i think also the uh by the way that was the pollen talking right there uh yeah I can hardly, oh, I, I didn't even notice. that? No, no, like I didn't. My voice was like raspy. And, and <laughs> I, if I, listen, if I could do that for three hours, might be onto something. But uh, I can taste the pollen this week nice. uh, in every breath. Um, the, uh, you know, Bulky said also he'd seen him throw it a bunch, you know, because of past games. And, you know, that's what Bulky's job was, more to go evaluate and scout and be at games and up close in person. And so there was a little bit of it, well, you guys go see this, Bevel and Schottenheimer. Instead, I already I see what I see. I know what I see. Mm-hmm. But I think it also hints a little bit when it comes to Trevor Lawrence, there's no doubt what they're doing. And Trent Bulky doesn't need to get to know Trevor Lawrence. He just has to go run the card up there. Urban Meyer, Brian Schottenheimer, Daryl Bevel, they need to get to know every little thing about Trevor Lawrence. Not to vet him out to uh, to pick him, but instead to get to know him to how now they're going to work with him for the next year, five years, ten years, whatever it might be. And so I I think uh, some of it was read into that, well, Bulky's not part of this. He's staying at home. Well, you can only have so many guys anyway. Sure. And the other part of it is, Bulky's decision is easy at number one. We all know that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no, there's really no secret about that. And while the Jags are still doing their due diligence on other guys, as they should, we know what they're doing at number one. And so I think we should be a little bit careful in that regard when it comes to Bulky to say, well, he's not doing anything inside the building because he's not even at Clemson's Pro Day. Uh, he's not in the Zoom meetings. 
listen, Bulky's job when it comes to Trevor Lawrence is done. Like, number one pick, number one on the board, Trevor Lawrence. Okay, let's move on. You know? No, I mean, yeah. Bulky should be really working on number 25. No, v- v- very true. But at the same time, like, and we're all preconditioned to think this way. I'm not saying it's right, but usually we think, all right, it's the GM's job to build the roster, right? Yeah. Like, it's his job um, to establish the players, and the coach obviously coaches them. Well, you get the feel that this is a little different setup here in Jacksonville now. Uh, because e- even if the fact that you know you're taking Trevor Lawrence number one. I, I think a lot of the GMs, if they knew that still, they would still be there just because, I mean, they're responsible for it at the end of the day, right? I mean, re- regardless if Trevor Lawrence is um, is going to be a, maybe a three-year guy, a five-year guy here, or he's going to be an all-pro Hall of Famer for years and years to come in Jacksonville, you get the sense that any GM would still want to go to that pro day and see it in person. Now, like he said, only three people could go. He was the odd man out, so be it. But I still think it speaks a little volumes in the fact that you know, I'm not saying Urban Meyer, um, you know, this is his call on the entire roster, but obviously he has a lot more influence now taking the coaches as opposed to taking the GM to the pro day. Yeah, I, th- I think what's important to note in, is uh, Trent Bulky is going to be a very important part of this. Like, his knowledge of the NFL, his knowledge of doing this before going through the draft, with the Jaguars having 11 picks, man, I mean, that is going to be priceless for Urban Meyer. So they have to work together. This is not I, – I, what I'm trying to eliminate here is – and I get it. I think it's great. It's coach-centric. Urban Meyer's running the show. No doubt about it. He's going to have his fingerprints everywhere. He should. But just don't get wrapped up in the – I think Trent Baalke's a puppet kind of perception because I think he's doing a lot behind the scenes. I think he has to do a lot. This, is, this relationship is still very, very important. Urban Meyer might walk one step ahead of Trent Baalke – Whereas in the past, we've seen guys walk together down the hallway. Yeah. But that one-step separation can't be five steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's got to be a close relationship. They've got to help each other out. And right now, especially in year one, in what Urban Meyer calls the biggest month maybe in franchise history, he's really got to help Urban Meyer out. He's got to come up big. There's just as much pressure, in my opinion, on the scouting staff and the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trent Baalke, uh, as there is on Shad Khan and Urban Meyer and everybody else. They all have to get it right, right now in Jacksonville. No, they absolutely have to all get it right. Um, you know, and, and if a few things came away from this press conference, like like we talked about, the chain of command a little bit. This still, I mean, in my opinion, this is Urban Meyer's show. Um, I thought it spoke volumes when Baalke was asked about, you know, the new trading facilities and, and what the plan is going forward. He didn't really have a clear answer. He, he didn't, you know, really seem to be in, in the know of that stuff unless he just didn't want to disclose that information. But that's fine, you know, because it's not the GM's job to worry about facilities and stuff like that. On the other side, though, Urban Meyer's been very candid and very open about, hey, we got to add this. We got to add this, hopefully sooner rather than later. So to me, it's very telling that in terms of, once again, the culture and getting things turned around, that's Urban Meyer's job. And as far as just evaluating the talent and trying to find those quote-unquote Urban Meyer guys, that's where Balky comes into play. And I think everybody understands that, and the, the chain of command is understood as well. Yeah, now, listen, uh, I did ask him at the end about James Robinson because I thought that was the one thing we didn't talk a lot about yesterday. And James Robinson was, uh, you know, really – Urban Meyer had nice things to say about it. Let's just say that. I mean, he said, hey, we're good there. <laughs> you know? Yes. I mean, I, I forget the exact verbiage, but it was like, hey, we like what we see. Uh, whereas the tight end room, it was like, we need to rebuild that sucker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so James Robinson really impressed. And it, and it shows. You know, sometimes we can be fooled by a really good season. 
and a guy goes in, especially one that he didn't bring in, and Urban Meyer and even Balky say, and go in and really dissect that tape. The new running back goes, eh, yeah, you know, listen, he did an unbelievable job, but there's some hidden stuff in here, much like people would have assessed, say, like a Blake Bortles year, you know, back in 2015, and say, it wasn't as good as some people think. Well, it's pretty clear after Urban Meyer, Balky, and them talk about James Robinson that it was as good as we all thought. And I think that's a nice sign for James Robinson. They like what they have. This is a, a sincere find. This is a guy they think can do it again. But I also thought Bulky was pretty good about saying, hey, we need to be dynamic. We need to be explosive. We need to help him out. We can't just give him the ball every time. And that is very true. They had nothing, man, behind James Robinson. I mean, it was like 95% of the carries went to James Robinson. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work to be done in that running back room still for the Jacksonville Jaguars. One, to get him some help, but two, to make them really explosive and dynamic. And I think what they do at the running back position will tend to tell you a little bit more about what they want to do and run on offense. Absolutely. And if you expect James Robinson to be the bell cow because he had a good rookie year, which he did, you're still naive, though, and you're doing the team a disservice. I mean, the the way the NFL is going now, where it's offensive-oriented, where it's uh, passing-oriented, you got to have that third down back. You have to have that change of pace back. Almost every single team has it. Very rarely do you rely on the bell cow anymore. Like, even Alvin Kamara gets su- subbed sometimes for, I think it was Latavius Murray last year. Like, every running back is going to get subbed at some point in the game. It's just you have to keep those guys fresh, and you got to keep them healthy. So I can definitely see a change of pace back. It's something that we celebrated last year with Chris Thompson, unfortunately, with a couple injuries here or there, and then Burns of James Robinson. We didn't see Chris Thompson a lot. You're hoping this year you can kind of see that true third down slasher type of running back because you know Urban Meyer would love that too. Urban Meyer loves going for the home run, right? And one way to get the home run is running those wheel routes, uh, running those jet sweeps, and getting the running back involved in the pass game. So they absolutely need to, uh, uh, you know, uh, attack some kind of a explosive dynamic back to, to compliment James Robinson and the power, um, you know, and the, I guess, stick if you will, that he runs with. Well, let me just, uh, specifically, if you could just grab somebody from around the league, give me two players that you think would, you think they might be thinking about, and I'm not saying to go get free agency, go trade, I'm just asking if there was a comp to X player and another comp to X player in the draft, they might say, hey, we like that. We think this guy looks like that. Yeah. That could compliment James Robinson. Does anything come to mind? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. but No, no, you are. Um, no, that's fine, though. I mean, I got no problem. Um, so two guys off the top of my head, actually really three guys off the top of my head. Let's go to free agency where I think at least are free agents or are going to be free agents. Uh, Duke Johnson out of Houston just got released. Now, Duke Johnson, as an every down back, um, he struggled. But when he was in Cleveland, he had some of his best years as a receiving third down back. The guy is very dynamic. I think a guy like Duke Johnson, I think a guy like Tevin Coleman out of San Francisco, when he's healthy, he's on. And obviously a guy like James White as well, who should have been probably the Super Bowl MVP. I think Tom Brady won it that year. I think James White had three or four touchdowns. Um, just uh, He offers you something different, a nice wrinkle, a great receiving threat, and defenses have to account for those type of guys. So do you think specifically those guys or guys like that? No, because no, those no. guys are a little long in the tooth. No, no, I'm just saying guys like that okay, like, okay. Like, like like we think it's tevin coleman james white and duke yeah. johnson you think wide receiver first over you know pounding the rock per se yeah now listen they might like a zigbo too and, and a guy that could still pound it yeah uh, it will depend how they evaluate bulky didn't answer that part of it very much like how do they evaluate the guys they already have in the room 
Uh, and, you know, what we really don't know is, like, a guy like Raquel Armstead, it's still a mystery of how he's doing after his bout with COVID-19. Yeah. You know, and if he'll even play football again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some interesting things to watch. But I do think that running back room is, is pretty wild to see exactly what way they'll go with their offense. It's not going to be super revealing, but I think it give you a bit of an indication, and I like that. Uh, well, Urban Meyer is coming out with a new slogan. We'll share it with you. Uh, it's the mantra of this year's football team. Do you like it or not? Uh, we go there, plus free agency. What's the latest news out of the NFL? And the salary cap has been set. How much does it help the Jags? All on the way. We're live at Sawgrass Country Club. Our Players' Championship Week live coverage brought to you by Talent Wealth Management right here on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Never heard of what happened in Iowa yesterday, and I don't even know how to pronounce the name of it. Derecho. Austin Lane. Iowa State Cyclones. You should call them the Derechos. You can shorten it up, call them the Chos. Why not, man? I'm into it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're looking at a lot of different positions and a lot of different players. And the key word there, Gene, was value. We're looking for value. Uh, that isn't always the, the most expensive player. There's all different levels of like, right? When we say we like a player, you know, to what level and what, what value do we place on them? So that's going to be critical as we build this, this team out moving forward is making sure we get the value of the position and the player correct. Falky, the Jaguars GM, speaking with the media today, a day after Urban Meyer talked with the media too. Urban Meyer says, own it. He just talked to the uh, Jaguars folks inside their building, tweeted the picture out, and it said, own it on the big boards at TIAA Bank Field. He also continues to use 904 instead of Duval. Yeah. Brett Martino here at Sawgrass Country Club. Our Players' Championship coverage brought to you by Talent Wealth Management. We are here because of the All-Star Kids Clinic that Paul Tesori and his wife Michelle are putting on. Paula Caddy for 2018 Players' Champ Webb Simpson. Bubba uh, Watson will be here. Brittany Lincecum will be here. Webb will be here. So a pretty cool day out here at Sawgrass Country Club right across the street. An initial home in this area of the Players' Championship back in 1977 through 1981. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack studios. You okay with Own It? Are you okay with 904 if the coach says oh. that instead of Duval? Wow, Brent. W- one thing at a time, please. So, uh, <laughs> you know, first of all, I think the, the more important one, changing Duval to 904, I don't know how I feel about that, man. Um, I always felt like Duval was a tradition. It's what made Jacksonville and the Jaguars the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that it's a brand that is known really around the country um, and really around the world, if you will. And I think when you make it 904, you know, it, it's, it's a little cliche. Um, I, I don't know. To me, Duval was just special. It's what we chanted uh, before the game in the huddles is what the, the crowd would chant uh, to give us a little extra energy when I played. Um, and to go away from that and just to go to 904, I'm not a fan, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that is I think Urban Meyer has a lot of power around here. He has an ability really to change the direction of this franchise, the way people feel about this franchise. If he does that, he can call whatever the heck he wants to call it, quite frankly, I think. Yeah. Even fans will admit that. But I don't know if Urban has the power to change Duval. okay? Uh, fans are going to call it that. Fans probably aren't going to jump in line at 9.04. I think the fans will bow up a little bit. Uh, so, it, listen, there are hats and there are things that say 9.04 anywhere. Anyway, a lot of cities have that. But I just don't know if Urban is going to change the course of, of what's being said. This was a fan-designed, fan 
orchestrated thing. This wasn't something that the organization kind of put out there and said, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to call it. Well, yeah, sure, they, they, they wrapped their arms around it at times, and they pushed it, and they, their Twitter handle said it, and a lot of their game day stuff did it. I hope they don't take away that because that's part of the fan experience. That's part of what the fans want. You can try to throw in this 904 and the rest of it, but I think the Duval will exist, and I think the fans will keep that well, strong. Yeah, and I understand what's happening here, right? Urban Meyer's the new sheriff in town, let's just say. He's changing a lot of things, and that's great. There's going to be a new way of doing things here in Jacksonville, and hopefully with that, that means a new tradition, and that tradition means winning. And I'm all for all of that stuff. And it's important to have goals, and it's important to take this team to a new stratosphere um, for the fan base. But sometimes you you can't forget where you come from and, and and you can't forget what those things mean and duval to me you know is it's history it's um it, it's what the team is known for so i'm all for taking a new direction but you still have to respect the past and where you came from and i feel like if you switch it from duval to 904 you kind of lose that tradition a little bit and that's something that you need here in jacksonville as well by the way, this happens a lot in business. This happens in our business. You know, when things don't work or it's got kind of this stale thing or uh, it's associated with not doing well, people try to flush it, get rid of it. Uh, and this might be like what Urban's thinking, what he's trying to do with it. I don't know if it's going to work. Like I said, I think this is a fan-preached uh, trademark, if you will. And I, I think that's what will stay here yeah, I in mean, Jacksonville. Listen, like the, the, the Cleveland Browns, a.k.a. the Factory of Sadness, it's not like they, they changed the dog pound all of a sudden because they were losing all the time because they're known for yeah, losing. It's because it's known for tradition. It, it reminds you that you were here for the hard times, and you're going to stick by that. You're not going to turn your back on it. So that's why I feel about Duval as well. Like, yeah. The past decade, it sucked here. But at the same time, you're trying to overcome that. You're you're trying to move past that, and you're not going to forget the whole Duval thing. So, I mean, as as far as the chant, as far as the hashtags, like, in my opinion, y- you can't get rid of that. There's just there's too much there. Um, there's too much love there from the fan base, and I just I don't think they should get rid of it. It'll be the evolution of it. It'll be fun to watch. We'll see what happens to it in three years, five years, what it's like around here. And I think a lot of that has to do with wins and losses and how much uh, Urban can shape that. What about Own It? You all right with that? I mean, we've had All In before. We've had, uh, what is it, Be Bold? or yeah. I don't even know what we've had in the past. But uh, Own It is the new one, and uh, that's fine, right? Accountability. and Yeah. It doesn't bother me. No, no. Listen, I think when you use the phrase "own it," I mean that can talk to the you know it can talk to a lot of people. It can talk to the fan base. Obviously, it talks to the players. It talks to the coaches. It really talks to the whole city. Um, so no, I, I have no problem with own it as well. I'm very curious to see like how that's going to get used in, in social media and on all the advertising and things like that. But no, I, I have no problem with own it. All right, uh, let's get Jack in here early on in the show. We've got a lot of things to get to today. Might have some guests pop in along the way. So uh, let's get Jack hanging on the line. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's happening, man? Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the video that Dilla tweeted this morning of Trent Williams pretty much glowing about Trevor Lawrence and where the Jaguars are headed. If you haven't, you should definitely check it out. Um, but I was wondering, so with Cam Robinson tagged, what do you guys think the chances are that they still test the waters and go after Trent, and let's say if they got him, they would have the idea that they can try to move Cam. Yeah, yeah I good mean, question, Jack. Thanks, man. Who's Dilla, by the way? 
I don't know, Brent. You you sent that to us this morning a text message, so you better uh, know who he is if you don't right. remember. Oh, that's who is that who tweeted that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> no, um, it, you know, I spoke about this yesterday, where I would definitely still pursue Trent Williams. Um, you, you know, I think anybody like listen, people understand how good of a quarterback Trevor Lawrence is, despite what some of the draft experts might say about Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence is the dude. And it was cool hearing Trent Williams talk about him. I'm, I'm absolutely for uh, bringing Trent Williams in if you have to, because once again, like we talked about yesterday, he is an upgrade from Cam Robinson. No ands, ifs, buts, or about it. So if you're going to bring Trent Williams in, then keep in mind you're still paying Cam Robinson a pretty good amount of money this year. Um, I can see them moving Cam Robinson to guard or, or some other position uh, just to make room for Trent Williams. So absolutely, I think the, the more you can upgrade, the better. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I really don't. I just don't think when you just put $14 million on Cam Robinson, you're going to go spend another $18 million to bring in a guy like Trent Williams. I just don't see it happening. Now, what Trent Williams said today in that tweet, and he was on a conversation with Richard Sherman and asked about, I think, uh, QB play and rebuilding, and Kuz uh, has is going to play in a moment. I think that this is very interesting because this is an outside perspective of the Jaguars organization. And here's instantaneously what a guy like Trevor Lawrence can do. Trevor Lawrence already changing the perception. Not necessarily Urban Meyer. Trevor Lawrence changing the perception, at least from players around the league. This is a veteran guy in Trent Williams who's seen a lot, who's performed at a very high level. Listen to what he had to say about the Jaguars and uh, rebuild versus kind of a ready-to-go load. That team is ahead of the curve because getting a quarterback is by far the hardest thing to accomplish in the NFL. So any team right now that has a quarterback that we can pencil in as day one starter, I think you can't really call that a rebuild process because you got the main piece in place, right? If you don't have a quarterback, it's like who knows how long it'll take to get a, a Trevor Lawrence. or You know, like these guys aren't just – growing on trees they ain't they're, they're not accessible every draft like you know so i think like like a quarterback like trevor lawrence i mean as a rookie i think he's, he's not gonna be like playing with a with a regular i mean with a normal rookie quarterback i think the type of player he is he is ahead of the curve and i think he will be um i think he'll be a dynamic player at the next level just because he has this capability when things don't when things don't add up with his eyes he can use his legs so I do think, like a, like a Jacksonville, uh, people could look at them as a rebuild, but with them getting the quarterback, I think that could expedite their their um, their success level, you know, and their success rate. What I say, like flushing everybody out last few years and getting rid of a lot of contracts that was coming, a lot of contracts they took on, getting the draft flexibility in the draft, you know. So you look at that like that they went through the rebuild, so now they're about to reap the benefit. Well, that's Trent Williams talking, and there you get the idea of it. I think there's something there's something big right there, Austin, from a perception standpoint. First of all, this is a player around the league. I always think guys know what good is, right? I say yeah. it all the time. Well, this guy thinks Trevor Lawrence pretty darn good. So there's your first. Everybody does, but this guy thinks he's pretty darn good from what he's seen, at least uh, on tape. Uh, he's not been a teammate of his or anything like that, but he, he likes what he sees. And just that one guy just punches home the exclamation point, man, on – what this quarterback could do for this franchise, for this city, for everything involved, I think it already starts with a guy like Trent Williams and the way he looks at it. Now, in this whole conversation that you just heard, was there any politicking <laughs> and lobbying to say, Jacksonville, I know you have a lot of money. Share some of it with me. 
I'm, no, they very well could be. Any any left tackle or any offensive lineman, for that matter, wants to play with a great quarterback. Um, and I think Trent Williams thinks that Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback, and you know how we feel about it. I think we could uh, we can agree with him more. So when you have a situation like the Jaguars and you have a lot of money and you want to look to upgrade spots, like Trent Williams, like Trent Williams is an idiot. Right? He's been around the league for a while. He knows exactly what's going on right now. So to me, him kind of putting that in the airwaves and hyping up Jacksonville a little bit, to me, that's contract negotiations right there. That's saying, hey, Jacksonville, I'm a little interested. How, how deep are your pockets? And then in doing so, if they offer him a deal, well, then what is that agent going to tell every other team in the NFL? Well, Jacksonville offered my client this much money. What do you guys got? I think it's a it, it's a valuable it's a it's a genius move by Trent Williams. Now maybe I'm looking too far into it, but I don't think I am. I think Trent Williams is making a play right now to try to get as much money as possible as he should. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's a little bit of that going on, but we've now heard Allen Robinson and now Trent Williams, players in this league, good players in this league, say positive things about Trevor Lawrence associated with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You've you've been concerned about this over the, the the years, right? The perception of the Jags nationally. I'm telling you, it's starting to change already, instantaneously, because of the quarterback, because of what player he could be. There's a lot that has to be done, but I think fans like that. Uh, there's no reason not to like that. That that perception could be changing a little bit. Uh, let's get South Beach Gary in real quick before we hit a break, and we might have some guests on coming in soon. So, uh, South Beach Gary, what's up, man? Good afternoon, guys. I'll try to be quick. I'm going to pick John Rom. I don't know why, but I picked John Rom for the players. He's just a name that popped in my head for this week. And Not a bad one. He's been, he's been a little quiet lately. So uh, I saw on the Dolphins' website that they're both interested in uh, Green Bay's free agent center, Lindsley. How does he strike you, Brenner? Would you be interested in Lindsley? As uh, a center from Green Bay. Uh, center? Yeah. Yeah, listen. They need to. If you're talking about the Dolphins specifically, South Beach Gary, oh. they need to beef up the the offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, I think any of these guys that are talking, he was. People think he was the best center last year, and so if uh, they go after and get some, spend some money, they got to spend some money around their franchise quarterback now too, or whatever move they did, the, could make when it comes to a quarterback. So, yeah, I think that would make a, a lot of sense. They spent so much money on the defensive side of the football, they probably should spend some on the offensive side to protect Tua uh, and get that offense cooking a little bit. All right, let's take a timeout uh, here from Sawgrass Country Club. Could have some guests lined up soon. Bubba Watson uh, might stop by. Brittany Linscombe might stop by. We'll talk to Paul Tesori along the way today. Uh, Webb Simpson could stop by, 2018 Players Champ. So uh, we hit a break. We come back. We talk some more football. We talk a little golf. Players Champion Week, Sawgrass Country Club. We are live in our live coverage this Players Week brought to you by Talent Wealth Management right here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Sawgrass Country Club. Paul and Michelle Tesori putting on their All-Star Kids Clinic, and it's, well, it's happening behind us. It just kicks off at 4 o'clock. Bubba Watson will be out here. Webb Simpson's out here. Brittany Lincecum from the LPGA Tour out here as well, and she joins us right now at Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. You just tell me a cool story. Hello, by the way, and hope you're doing well. Uh, that You don't really even know Michelle and Paul. Well, you're Facebook friends with Michelle. 
She says, hey, you want to come up and help out? You said sure thing, and, and here you are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, um, all she had to say was it was a kid's clinic, and um, I was more than happy to come up. Obviously, we have an off week this week, and uh, it's only about a four-hour drive for me to come up. So my husband and I said yes, and, and here we are, and it looks like so much fun. There's so many kids. We have Dunkin' Donuts. There's a uh, gorilla over there. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. It looks amazing. Our producer, we have video feed here, too, and our oh. producer said, that gorilla looks a little scary. I said, come on, man. It does not. It looks kind of fun. It looks really fun. <laughs> uh, how are you, how are you doing in your golf game? Uh, you got a little break here, and then you just told me you'll be out to California with the pandemic, COVID. <laughs> I mean, how has this last year been for you? It's been interesting. You know, I um, we have a 20-month-old daughter now, so I was kind of on maternity, had her, took some time off, and then COVID, and then uh, trying to get back to a little bit last or last season. Um, so it's nice to kind of get back in the groove of things. Like you said, we have two weeks off, and then we kind of start up again in uh, San Diego, and then we have our first major of the year, the ANA Inspiration. So um, it's going to be nice to get back into a rhythm again. There was a lot of off weeks last year, a lot of ups and downs, and uh, I feel like my game is great. I finished the season strong, uh, started pretty well, felt pretty good about my game, but these off weeks are really killing me. I can't wait to get back in a rhythm and play like week after week after week. Well, how's playing, or at least get ready to play and being a mom? I mean, how <laughs> is that juggling? We've seen now some world-class athletes like yourself uh, try to pull this off, be able to do it. Serena Williams mm-hmm. now comes to mind. Um, is, is that a tough thing? Is, is it a fun thing? <laughs> it's definitely different and especially those nights where uh, Miss Emery doesn't want to sleep in her pack-and-play at night and ends up in bed with me and I have an early tea time. But um, it's just one of those things. You just roll with it, and um, I wouldn't change it for the world. She's so great when she comes out and watches me play. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I just kind of glance over at her, and she just, you know, puts it all in perspective again. And um, she's the best. She'll walk 18 holes of golf with me. My mom and dad travel, so they're great. Um, So she can uh, watch me play all 18 holes, and she doesn't make a peep. She loves it. When I make a good shot, she claps for me. Um, It's really awesome. That's really cool. Uh, this, you know, you're you're so golf centric for so long in your life. Your mm-hmm. passion, right? You're working toward the goal. You're eight time winner on the LPGA tour, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Do you lose any of the hunger, the thirst, the that passion when you have a little one? I mean, is that a little bit natural to? to kind of say, okay, it's not all about me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really thought once I had her that it would kind of change those when you're really in a bad mood or, or you're just not playing well that you would just kind of forget about it a little bit easier, which it definitely has, but there's still something about wanting to compete at the highest level and wanting to win um, that, you know, I still put a lot of pressure on myself to perform at my best every week, and if I don't do that, then I kind of get down. Um, but she definitely, you know, kind of brings me back and, again, puts it all in perspective and uh, makes my day so much better whether I had a good day on the golf course or not. One thing about the golf world, whether it's on the men's side, the women's side, it's certainly a lot of this, isn't mm. it, giving back? And mm-hmm. Like we just told your story about not even really a, a long relationship with uh, the Tesoris, but to help out to give back. I'm sure you do a lot of it in South mm-hmm. Florida as well. Uh, that that You always go back to that, it seems like, right? Absolutely. I mean, I remember being a junior golfer back in the day and how expensive it was for my parents to be able to put me through golf. So um, to be able to help for an hour or two hours here today for these kids, you know, it might change their life. It might make them want to become professional golfers one day. Or, um, you know, I see the first tee is out here as well. I'm on the board of our first tee, and we have an event every year. So I would never want to uh, not have a child have the opportunity to play this wonderful game. So we try to do as much as we can for the kids and give back our time. And um, it's just so wonderful to see so many kids coming out today. Now, you have to bug Webb and Paul and, and everybody else because <laughs> you've played TPC Sawgrass, but you just told me you only played nine holes and it was the front nine. And by the way, it's a great front nine. But if you got to play TPC Sawgrass, you got to play the 
back on. We got to get you back up here to do that. That would be wonderful. Yeah, I wish you know it was raining the day we played, and I get to play a lot of golf. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to come back, and that was years ago now, and I still haven't made it back. So I wish I would have played at least number 17, um, but I didn't. So I'm going to have to come back. How much of a fan are you of golf in general, uh, of the men and watching their tournaments when you can watch of this tournament, the players? I mean, that's an iconic 17th hole. Yeah. It's an iconic golf tournament. Mm-hmm. Will you be watching? Oh, absolutely. Especially we have a week off. It's a little bit harder when I'm on the road, obviously, with my daughter. Uh, kind of watching her and watching golf. Um, you know, I tried to watch last week when the men were at concession because I'm a member there as well. So I was hoping they hit it in some spots that I find myself going into. But um, it's going to be great this week. Webb and I played junior golf together. I haven't really seen him much since then, so it's great to kind of hang out with him today. And I always cheer for him, obviously, every week. And uh, Bubba's here, so um, I don't know if he's going to be able to hit any drives for us, but that's always fun to see. Yes, but, you know, when I'm, when I'm home and I have nothing, you know, no tournaments going on, I love watching golf. And um, just kind of you learn so much from whether it's men's golf, women's golf, um, you know, I pick up, I love how their hands are so soft, especially chipping and putting around the greens, always trying to pick up something. Brittany Lentz come with us, LPGA uh, player, and she's with us here at Sawgrass Country Club. Paul and Michelle Tesori's All-Star Kids Clinic underway. Uh, last question for you, you just mentioned driver mm-hmm. of driving the golf ball. The women are driving at a mile. <laughs> I think it's associated with the men and, mm-hmm. and Bryson and Bubba and the rest. <laughs> You're driving it a mile. <laughs> the the women in general are. Mm-hmm. How much has that changed on the women's side? Uh, more so when I was 21, and, and now that I'm 35, it doesn't go quite <laughs> as far. But um, I think, you know, Tiger did it. Annika did it. Just changing the game of, you know, working out more, stretching more, you know, having proper equipment fit to you. And um, I've, I've always hit the ball far. Since I started playing the game when I was nine, I played with my brothers and my dad. So I, ha- I had to hit it far to keep up with them. So um, I love hitting it far. And, um, you know, it definitely the girls are definitely doing that as uh, now and it, it's great to see. Still a little uh, nice flex when you're playing a pro am <laughs> and drive it by a guy. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Brittany Linscombe. Good luck the rest of the way. Thanks for stopping by here yes. to support this cause and to stopping by Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thank you. Good luck the rest of the way, Brittany Linscombe, LBGA, LPGA Tour player, eight-time winner on the tour, and she will drive it by you, no doubt about it. We'll be back, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 live from Sawgrass Country Club. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 